Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Juan. And this is my RP life. I created this platform for the blind and visually impaired community can come together and share their stories about what they go through. You can follow me on Twitter, follow me on Facebook, and subscribe to me on YouTube. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Juan. And this is my RP Life Podcast. What's what's going on, y'all? Welcome back to my RP Life. I'm your host, Juan. I got a special guest on today. He is my brother from another mother. But before we get into it, please subscribe to me on YouTube, my RP Life. Follow me on Twitter. Um, you can also join my Facebook group, my RP Life family and friends. And please subscribe to me here on all the platforms that Anchor puts me on, such as Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iPod, just to name a few. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is my brother from another mother, Andrew, a.k.a. Batman. <laughs> so, what's up, my brother? How you doing? Uh, I'm nervous. I've never done this before. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How about you, Juan? How you doing today? I'm all right, my brother. Just chilling. <clears throat> the last time we collabed together was on YouTube before I deleted my channel. Remember that? Yeah, that was a while ago. A while ago. Yeah, that was a while ago. Um, so let my audience know about you and how you lost your sight and stuff like that so um just let them know how um you're either you're you're visually impaired right still or like you're like partially yeah. well i i see shadows so like i see light and dark that's it no defining like no I, like if i'm standing in front of somebody i can see like a blob of black or just white so, right. um, there's no like defining, you know, lines or anything like that. It's, I'm at, I'm at like a five to 10% vision. So mm. there's nothing really there to see. Right. I, I can, you know, maneuver around the house and know that the big blob on my right, that would be the couch unless somebody moves it. <laughs> but, uh, if there's toys on the ground, you better believe it. I'm going to step on it. Then I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to chuck it and then probably, uh, probably break it because um well my kid knows not to leave toys but yeah. the other ones not so much right i hear you. I don't need to be pulling uh gi joe's out of my uh, ankle or anything <laughs> yeah so um so you can see like a a silhouette of something but it's it's not where you can tell what it is Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So like, if, so like, if you was to see me, I'd just be like a blobby shadow mess. Yeah. 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 Exactly. All right. Um. So, 
um, let the audience know how you lost your sight, man? Uh, well, it started uh, back when I was spawned as a child in, in Muscatine, Iowa, uh, um, in the in the veterinary hospital. No, it wasn't that. But uh, <laughs> I, at, eight years, at eight years old, I, mm. I was diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes. And um, on my birthday, no less, and uh, thanks, thanks God for that. Um, nice birthday gift. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> as we went on, yeah. I was very defiant as a child. You know, I was eight years old. My friends were eating cake and ice cream at you know birthday parties, and I was getting a plate of celery and 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 carrots. You know, so that's where it all started. Right. Um. So as I grew up, you know. I I went through a lot of tribulations and things. Um, the loss of my father at 16 and my mom, uh, she had a lot of relationships and had, you know, put five husbands total. So right. my life as a kid was kind of rough and rocky. Right. Um, so therefore, you know, I was kind of a rebel type deal where I didn't want to listen. I didn't want to do it. My friends didn't have to do it. I didn't want to sit and take a blood sugar four times a day and take four shots. I mean, who, who wants to? Right. Especially so, when you're you young. Know, yeah. As a kid, I was really bad. And then after my dad had passed, um, I got really bad, right. um, and started doing things that I'm not proud of. Uh, but I went back to school. I dropped out of school at 16. And I went back a year later and I graduated early. Right. Um, after that, I got back into those bad habits, drugs, alcohol, and things. And I went into a dark place um, because of my dad's death and just, you know, not knowing where to go, not wanting to live because, you know, I had this disease. I was sick all the time. I was tired of it. I didn't want to do it anymore. And the drugs and alcohol didn't help. Right. Um, so with, with that, I went until I was about 23, 24 years old. Mm -hmm. And um, I got with a young lady. She had a baby. Um, and she's like, I know you do these things. That's fine. You know, whatever. Um, but don't do it around the kid. And I was like, fine. You know, I'll stop right now. I'll stop today. And I won't do it ever again. Right. And that day, um, it'd be February of this year, um, was my 10 year anniversary of being sober. So, That's good. um, I got past all of that, but the drugs, the alcohol, they're not taking care of myself mm. and all of that led to different things in my life. Um, first it was you know, the vision loss. And that's where my vision loss comes in. Mm -hmm. It's from years of not taking care of myself, abusing, you know, my body and things like that. That's, that's where my, my vision loss came. And I have diabetic <laughs> retinopathy, just like, you know, even dead. Right. So, um, which yes, I do. I, I watch the, or I listen to the podcast. I do every single one. Thanks, my brother. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, yeah, check them out. Make sure you check them out. Yeah. Everywhere. Facebook, Google Play, 
iPad thingy Bob. I don't know all of them because I listen to them every time he says them, but I don't remember. So <laughs> Spotify, that's where I check them out. Right. But anyway, yeah. we'll keep going. Um, so that's my, my vision story because that's, that's what led me to this. Um, I was starting to get some lost vision when I was, I would say about 25 or 25, 26 years old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought, oh, you know, maybe my eyes are just getting bad or maybe it's, you know, the abuse that I, I put on my body, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Right. Now, mind you, my whole entire life, the doctors would say, you know, you need to take care of yourself or you're going to go blind, you're going to get kidney disease, you know, you're going to get neuropathy. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, that that's all a little baloney, you know. They don't know what they're talking about. They're, uh, they see it every day and, you know, they know nothing. Right. So, you know, I was, I was, I was blinded by the fact that these things could happen to me. Mm-hmm. And I got to thinking about it and thinking about it. I was like, you know, I really did a number on myself. I really, I really abused, abused my body. Um, you know, in high school, I was bad. I had concussions and things because I played football and I, you know, I was really hard on my body. You know, coach would ask, oh, how are you feeling? You know, are you hurting anywhere? No, even though I had a sprained ankle, I taped it so tight that I couldn't feel it. So, you know, I did a lot of things. And then with the abuse of the drugs and alcohol and things, Right. I pretty much sped up that process of where I was at, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I finally started realizing that we're getting into my later 20s. And by the time I was 27, almost 28, I nearly lost my vision completely. Um, I went to the University of Iowa Hospital and Clinics um, and my retinologist, Dr. Bolt, amazing man, amazing man. Mm-hmm. Um, he pretty much told me, you know, buddy, you got, you got diabetic retinopathy and your retinas are tearing away from the back of your eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, oh, you know, what do I say when somebody tells you that? And you're like, well, you know, I can't fix this now. It's too late <clears throat> to fix it. So now all I can do is try to prevent anything else from happening. Yeah. And at this time, I got with my wife that I am with now, Teresa, God bless her soul. Um, and she helped me a lot. Um, and what I was, when, before I got with her in 2015, um, I was 28 years old. Um, my mom had passed. And right. that was in July, July 19th of 2015 right and I was living in Missouri I wasn't around nobody um we had moved there because my I have a a dot well my brother was adopted out as, as a kid and I didn't know him and my mom wanted to get to know him a little better so we moved down to Missouri and a little little town I mean so little the Amish you know went by my house every morning mm. so um it's I was there. My mom had passed. There was nobody there. She was my rock. She was my. Hello, you hear me? Uh, we got cut off, ladies and gentlemen. Hmm. Let me see if he's still there. 
Uh, I lost him. Andrew, you still there, man? Can you hear me? And I can hear you. Hello. Ah, there you go. It, it cut off for a minute. I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> like, what happened? I have no, what? I have no idea, my brother. All I know, it cut off for like a few seconds, and now you're back. So finish what you oh. was, finish what you were saying. All right. So anyway, like I'm saying, I uh, where was I? At? I lived in a small town, and you know, I was by myself with my mom's widow, and I don't have nobody. Um, I have a like a third cousin that my mom had raised, and I got a hold of her, and I was like, hey, you know, I don't have no income, I don't have nothing, I can barely see, and I was starting to swell really bad and, and whatnot, and I she got me up here back home, where I'm from, up here in Davenport, mm. in the great state of Iowa, and um, all I can say is, Thank God that I got back here. Because Wait, hold on. I was going to ask you something real quick. When you say you started to swell, what do you mean? Your eyes started to swell? My legs, my arms, and and we'll get to that point here in a little bit. Oh, okay. I think you have a question about it. So Yeah. Um, I finally got back up here, back home, and... I started going to, you know, the retinologist up here and, you know, they were telling me everything and I started bleeding, um, into my eyes, uh, and I was starting to see tints of red mm. and what was going on was my blood vessels in the eye were dying. So mm. new ones would grow in and they were just leaking blood into the back of my eyes. Mm. And that's where the red tints were coming from, because what happens with the diabetes is the blood vessels would die, um, and then that wouldn't give you blood flow to the retina itself, which pretty much dries it up, and it dies and pulls away from the back of the eye. Mm -hmm. um, they were able to go in and give me surgery in January of 2016. They reattached my left retina and it did nothing. It made the vision worse than it made it better. Um, and when I did that, um, they're like, we can try the other side. And I was like, no, let's leave that. I have some vision. Let's just leave it alone. It didn't help in the first place. It just made everything in my left eye look like I was underwater. Like if you ever opened your eyes underwater, that's what I see. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, so I, I just opted not to do it to the other eye. I tried to keep as much vision as I could, mm -hmm. and eventually that one detached also. So wow. um, they made a good attempt to try to save them, and, you know, I can't be mad at anybody but myself for, you know, not taking care of myself for that many years. Mm -hmm. And I believe that this was a path where I was meant to be a stronger person <clears throat> and overcome it. Right. Um, so that's what I did. I mean, I overcome, I overcame a lot of things in my life with, you know, the loss of my parents and the drugs and alcohol. And I put all that behind me. I fell, you know, I fell into that grave and I pulled myself out and I kept falling and I kept getting up. Mm. And I was like, well, you know, this, this isn't going to stop me. This is just, you know, another little bump in the road. So that's, you know, that's what I did. I just kept going. And, um, 
I ran into some other issues after that, but I was doing laser, uh, lasers to the eyes so that they could burn the end of those uh, blood vessels that were leaking into my eyes. And then after, you know, after everything was said and done, mm -hmm. they're just like, okay, there's no more we can do. You need to come back every year and get a checkup and we can see if they're progressing or getting worse. Um, as of right now, they've been steady for four years now and I'm not getting any worse, but I'm not getting any better either. So right. that that's the, the vision part of things. All right, my brother. Thanks for sharing that with everyone. Um, my other question is because I know you went in um, for an operation and yes, sir. you are a kidney transplant survivor and pancreas transplant survivor. Yes. Yes, I am. And tell them that story. Okay, so when we moved back here, I... Uh, I got, um, I was going to the hospital because I was really sick. And I, like I said, I was swelling really bad. That's why I didn't go into that earlier, but right. swelling really bad. And I went to the urologist and things and they're like, oh, you're, you know, you have stage five kidney failure. I was like, oh, great. You know, this is awesome. Not only did I just lose my vision, but now my kidneys are starting to fail on me. Mm -hmm. um, and that was about June, July, somewhere in there. Um, I, I'm not good with dates, but I know the, <laughs> I know the majority. If you want somebody who has dates, right? listen for Victor's podcast because that man has <clears throat> all the dates right. and times. That I don't know how he does it, but right. um, so it was around that time that they had told me, hey, you know, you got kidney failure. But, and I was like, okay, you know, we can deal with this until you know they told me well you're starting dialysis now i'm in the hospital um i i'm just you know horrible i'm feeling horrible and now they're telling me oh now you have to do dialysis and i'm like great you know here's another here's another thing to add to the pile of crap that i went through in my life right and you know, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, there's no slowing that down after after they say you're on dialysis, you're there. You're not, you don't come back from it overnight. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's, that's another, you know, path I had to take. Um, I was very sick, um, dialysis. I had a port in my chest and I was almost, I was almost one year to have it in my chest and they were gonna have to put a new one in and it got infected. Mm -hmm. Well, I had got what they call a fistula, which is a port where they stick the needles into pull blood and um, re put it into your body uh, for dialysis because mm -hmm. dialysis is just pretty much, a, it's like an, a kidney on the outside and they filter all the toxins and the you know fluids and things out of your blood mm -hmm. so you know i sat for four and a half hours in a chair every other day monday wednesday and fridays and they would stick me with these huge <clears throat> needles wow. we're talking really big needles and you know they would suck out your blood they would go through that machine warm have you it went in there warm mm -hmm. but they didn't give it back to you warm wow. oh sir they didn't 
they give it back to you ice cold and you froze half the time you're in there. So mm. the blanket is a very nice object to have while you're in dialysis. But wow. um, so I did that and I was doing that for almost three years um, on dialysis, which is relatively not that long, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was weird because my cousin had a, I don't know what it was, but it was some sort of uh, disease where his kidney was attacking his body and it was dumping toxins and things into his bloodstream and pretty much killing him off slowly. So he was actually in the uh, dialysis center with me. So it was kind of weird that, you know, two of us from the same family were in in this one one dialysis center. So but right. he ended up he ended up getting a kidney before I did and he didn't even wait a year. Um but like I said, I was there for close to three years and um it was just so everybody knows, like I had it was in October I had signed up to get a kidney transplant. Yep. Um, and I, you know, nobody said anything about a pancreas or nothing like that. And so I'm going in there and they're talking to me and we get started. And it was about October that I started everything. But previous to that, I was on one of the blind and visually impaired groups on Facebook and a young lady was, you know, she was upset. She didn't want to, you know, she didn't want to deal with life anymore. Um, she was, you know, new to this being blind and visually impaired and she just did, you know, like I said, she didn't want to deal with it. Like yeah, a she, lot of us probably had. Yeah. She was given up. We've been through it. We all know that once you hit that point, you're like, you know, their depression sits in, you know, mm-hmm. stress and all that. Yeah. And I got on there and I was like, Hey, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's just a little speed bump. You'll be fine. You know, you could talk to me. You can talk to anybody about it if you need to. And that's where the champ comes in. Mm-hmm. Because he was reading that post and seeing that I had reached out to her, you know, and God put me in that path to reach out to her and try to help her. Right. And he had seen that I was only getting a kidney. And he had messaged me and he's like, hey, you know, why aren't you getting a pancreas? And I was like, well, you know, I didn't know. Nobody had told me about that. Right. And that was kind of, you know, God bringing him to me as he, he had sent me to <clears throat> that lady. And, um, you know, and he sent him on the path to me so that I could now go for the kidney pancreas transplant. Right. Um, I had asked my doctor um, and I started going for in, in October of 2018 um, I said hey I want to yell he said you're you're good to go be on the transplant list and things like that you just need to go get everything done and if it you know if it wasn't for that path that you know sent Victor to me I would have probably only got the kidney and I probably would have waited a lot longer to get a kidney um, but we ended up going in October of 2018, and I believe it was the 5th of October, and I seen a transplant team, 
um, at the University of Iowa, and they told me, you know, here's a list of things you need to get done in, you know, in the next year in order to do this. Whenever you get it all done, come back and, and we'll, you know, we'll get the next step rolling. Right. So <clears throat> that's what I did. Um, there was a list of things you had to go see, you know, a psychiatrist and, you know, things because you have to be mentally stable to get an operation so big. And they want to make sure that, you know, you're mentally capable of, you know, having a surgery to that capacity. Um, and, you know, I had to have blood sugars that were, you know, fairly good and, and regulated so that, you know, you weren't running a risk when, when surgery came. Right. But there was, a whole lot, there was a whole list of things that I had to have done. And let's just say by, let's see, with January... By January, I was done with that whole entire list that they gave me a year to do. Wow. And it was just so happened that I, that I had to wait to see the psychologist. Mm. And they're like, oh, you know, it's going to be six months before we can get you in. And then just one day out of the blue, I was sitting in dialysis and a lady had called me and she's like, hey, we got an open, you know, an open spot. Would you like it? Now I'm sitting there going, I don't know how I'm going to get there. It's an hour drive. I'm not asking you know, my significant other, Hey, can we get there or nothing? I just said, yes, I'll take it. <laughs> I have no idea yeah. how the heck I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I just took it and it was for the next day. Wow. I, I come home and, you know, mm. that day I, I didn't say anything about it because dialysis really took it out of me. Yeah. Um, like I always used to tell people when I come home from dialysis, it's almost like I would get off there. I didn't, half the time I wouldn't walk out. I was wheeled up in a wheelchair, put into a, a car and brought home. Sometimes they would have to pull me in the house, up the stairs, in the wheelchair, um, and I would go to bed. And I would go to bed until the next day, 24 hours later, I'd, I'd wake up. And yeah, it takes I a lot of with my day. Because it was almost like going for a jog, going for a run, swimming across Mississippi, taking a bike ride, and then coming back and, you know, sitting in the heat for four hours. It was draining, and it sucked. Mm -hmm. But I did, like I said, I did that for almost three years. And finally, they had called me, actually, on your birthday, mm -hmm. and yeah. said, hey, in the next two weeks or so, We'll be calling you I to, remember that. to tell you that you've been approved and you're on the transplant list. Right. So on your birthday, I got that good call. Now, on my dad's birthday, which is the 27th of February, they called and said, be ready because you're on the list. And at any time, we can call and get you, get you up here. So I had to have my bags packed. I had to have everything ready. Everybody at that time had to be, you know, had to be ready to go. No matter when that call came, I had to be there. Right. So I was laying in bed one day and my sister had called and she kept calling, which I call her my sister, but she's actually my cousin. Mm -hmm. um, she kept calling and I was getting, you know, scam calls every day. And, you know, I was like, okay, I'm done. Like, 
and the phone rang at like 4 30. Mm. i'm like okay i'm done i'm gonna answer this tell them to leave me alone like i'm about to shut my phone off <laughs> i answered it and it was andrea from the university of iowa she says hey we have we have organs for you do you want them i was like well are they healthy you know what what you know what age was this person what had happened mm -hmm. um and because when you get a kidney pancreas transplant they come from a deceased donor because right it's it's easier to take the two organs from one person and you can't live without a pancreas mm -hmm. so they have to come from deceased donors mm -hmm. um so they told me everything and, and they were good to go. And I was like, I'll take them. You know, I immediately called Teresa and I was like, Hey, you know, we got to go. I, I called my sister. I was like, Hey, here's the deal. We got to go. Everybody was ready. And we were just waiting for that call because they were on the way to go get those organs. That's what I'm talking um, I believe those organs were given to me by my parents. Um, they gave their life so that I could live a better one. Right. And I strongly believe that, um, so I got these organs and I was on the way to the hospital. Now, if anybody goes to Facebook um, and looks around March 18th on my Facebook, you can experience my whole experience of going there from the time, you know, we got in the car on the ride up there, mm -hmm. um, going into the hospital, getting in my room. Um, there's actually an auto, uh, audio broadcast of me talking with Victor um, on my last dialysis treatment. Yeah, I remember that. Too. And the time where they're like, "Hey, we're going. You're you're going to the operation right So yeah, when that's you all documented. Um, when you was in the car, and, and, you heard. What's that? I said when you was in the car, um, and you did the live stream. I was in, I was on there too, listening to what you were saying and yeah. stuff. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I went live on Facebook, and I, you know, I documented everything. I wanted to document the whole aftermath of it, but that that was a whole other situation after it was done. Um, but so I got up there, I got in my room. They were getting me all set up, and you know, like I said, I had my last dialysis treatment, and I had been awake all night long because you know this is <laughs> this is almost like going to Disney World except for not quite as nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so you know, I I was ready, and you know I had people, some support. You know I don't have a lot of family, but I, I have, you know, the wife's family. I have, uh, you know, my cousin, which is like a sister to me, and that's about it. I mean, like I said, my my other siblings don't really have a lot to do with me. Mm. They just like, like my one brother. He he just don't because we never really knew each other. And right. when my mom had passed, it was like, well, you know, we've known each other for like four years, and it's not like that big kind of bond thing. I still we still talk every once in a while, but you know, it's it's one of those extended kind of things where yeah, I'll call you if I want, or I you know we don't even call each other during the holidays, so it's, yeah. it's not that great of a relationship, but. I'm sitting in there and they finally come and get me. And I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, this is it. This is the moment. And Teresa's just freaking out because she didn't like the idea of me doing it. She 
you know, she didn't like me going under. She didn't, you know, getting anesthetics and things. And, yeah, she was worried. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very worried. I mean, this is a big deal, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had to reassure her, you know, the survival rate of a kidney pancreas transplant is very high. Mm-hmm. Um, not many people, you know, die on a table from it. It's mostly the care afterwards people, you know, die from. Yeah. The, the taking care of the wound and, you know, trying to get away from infection because that's that's a big incision. And if anybody doesn't know, the incision goes about an inch above my belly button, around the belly button, all the way down into my groin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a big it's a big spot. Wow. <laughs> and they, they they stuff you like a turkey. I came out of there, woke up yeah. in the ICU going, holy moly, who stuffed me like a turkey? This ain't Thanksgiving. <laughs> and uh, oh, come bring the gravy, I guess. I mean, you know, mashed taters. I need some mashed taters. Uh, yeah, I, and I got, I was in there. They said that the surgery was going to be eight hours. Mm. And I went in there at like 7.30 in the morning. And... I was done by one one thirty. Right. I believe it was. Was it? Yeah. No, it was before that. It was four and a half hours. So. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Eleven thirty. I was out before noon, and like Teresa's gone. <clears throat> well, my sister, she's like, Andrew's gone, and she's like, she's freaking out, going, "What?" Because they have monitors up there that shows, you know your heartbeat and your your vitals and all that mm. to show you know what's going on what's happening right and how things are going um so she had finally got to sleep after working because she worked her butt off all the time still does yeah but um she finally laid down and she laid down and automatically she got woke up and she's like he's gone and they're freaking out trying to find out where i was I got that, I got that done an eight hour operation done in four and a half hours. Right, I remember uh, you heard. I remember. Um, I think it was right after you got out of the operation, like probably like an hour or two later. You mm-hmm. and remember, I was visually impaired at one point, so I can kind of make you out if I triple tap on the screen. And I think it was your wife that was recording the live stream when you was mm-hmm. when you was already back in your room and stuff like that and dude when i triple tapped on you and looked at your face i was like oh man he all swollen he looked mad tired <laughs> yeah and then, yeah. and then you had that mohawk and i was like he looked like he just smoked a good doobie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was drugs, but right? it, it wasn't bad. It, it was, uh, you know, pharmaceutical, yeah. uh, doctor-given drugs at that point. Yeah, yeah grade, <laughs> a, me, grade A stuff. They had me on some very <laughs> good drugs yeah. for that. Um, oh, yeah. They had me on a morphine pump, which due to my, you know, my drug addiction and abuse, mm-hmm. morphine wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had such a high tolerance even after being clean for that long. Yeah, I know. So they were giving me Dilaudid and Dilaudid pills, which are amazing for anybody that has pain. If you if you got a headache, it's one of those things where if your your arm feels like it's falling off or your head is just pounding, 
it'll make you feel like you ain't even got an arm or a head. Right. You're just gone, like completely. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I, I was good. I was good. But they took me off and slowly took me off those in like two days. And that's good. Um, they wouldn't let me get up the first day. And I was like, hey, just let me get up. Like, let me walk. I want to go. And they wouldn't. Um, but I got up and I walked like 480 steps mm-hmm. the first time I got up after the surgery which was quite a bit. Um, and they're like, oh, maybe we should, you know, turn around and go back. Don't don't overdo yourself. I'm fine. You know, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next day I get up and I was like, I'm ready to walk again. Let's let's get up. And they couldn't get they couldn't get in there fast enough because I was already halfway out the bed and already grabbing the walker. They're like, whoa, 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 hey, hold on. <laughs> and there I am, I'm already standing ready. I was like, what are you guys doing? Get Get your jogging shoes on. We're going. Like, like <laughs> right. let's do this. Yeah. Uh, the second day, I walked almost fifteen hundred steps. Wow. So I tripled the first day. Yeah. But after that, things started going a little, a little sour. Um, mm. I was getting sick. I couldn't keep any food down. Um, they went in and they had to do a biopsy of the kidney. They thought it was rejecting because I was getting urine buildup back flowing into the kidney oh wow and what had happened was the step that they put in between your kidney and your bladder Mm -hmm. had fell out and my wife is telling them this and they're not listening and they're like well we're going to do a biopsy so they take this big needle and they stick it in by the kidney Mm -hmm. and it sounds like a hole punch because they punch a part of the tissue out and they take it mm. um they came back you know it came back good there's nothing going on with the kidney mm-hmm. so they go in there and oh they go put a scope up in there where you know the sun don't shine and people shouldn't be sticking things into <laughs> yeah. and, and they're like oh look at this you know we found this in there mm-hmm. Well, first they did, they did an x-ray or something of it, and they had seen it just floating around in there. So they go, and they're like, okay, you know, they're trying to keep me calm. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, well, what's going to happen? How do we do? What do we get? How do we get this out? And, well, here's the story, folks. And if you are a snowflake, and you do not take things well, or you're a male, this may make you feel like you have a lump in your throat. Just, I'm just going to put that out there now. Mm-hmm. Any disclaimers? Yeah. We are not responsible for any of your nauseations. <laughs> if you are cursing at this time, yeah. I'm sorry. But uh, So doctor's like, oh, you know, we're going to go up there and get it. And I was like, oh. Oh, that don't sound good. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, it's not that bad. You know, we give you some numbing stuff. We shoot it down inside. He's like, and then we take this little, it's a little camera. And we, it's got a claw on it. I'm going, it's got a what? <laughs> you're you're going to stick a, a camera with a claw up in there? You got me. Mm-mm. You got me messed up, bro. Right. <laughs> He's like, it's not bad, you know. Mm. And then we just get in there with the little claw, we grab it, it's... and we yank it out. I was like, okay, there's a lot of those words in there that I don't like. Yeah. Yank. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, a claw. Mm-hmm. 
it was kind of yeah, it was no, i didn't like those words it and was, like it's fine you know and the lady oh my you heard you know i was gonna have this procedure done you know what i was she gonna you know what i was gonna you, tell um, you i can't remember what it's called now but gonna, anyway they shoot it down inside your urethra mm-hmm. and this lady is just holding my junk mm-hmm. closed so that it can you know do what it needs to do oh wow and i'm going oh yeah this is really awkward and this lady you know she does this on the daily so she's holding people's junk a lot in her career right and she just wants to have a conversation (laughs) i'm like lady um this is the best time to have a conversation Mm -hmm. and i'm wearing a bat i was wearing batman stuff because you know i am the batman as everybody should know by now right um and she's like oh yeah my my daughter loves comics and we get to talking and like I, finally after like a minute i'm like oh well let's just talk about comics maybe this will help things right so for like five minutes we sit there and we talk about comics and batman and the hulk and all this stuff and i'm like she's like okay well the doctor's ready to come in and whatever they put in there oh i swear to you is like jesus of the numbing world Mm. because he's like all right you may feel some discomfort and i was like okay nothing and at this time i had a catheter in Mm. um because they were you know i had the catheter to see how much urine was being um dispersed through the bladder and things right um so they're like we're taking that out and i was like okay if i can pee after this can you leave that tube out of there? Like, can you please leave that out? He's like, well, you're going to have to pee for me and it's going to have to be enough. And then, yeah, we won't put it back up there. Oh, I was like, somebody get me the urinal. They took me to the bathroom and I filled that thing to the top, to the very top. I was like, is this enough? He was like, that's plenty. You know, we don't, we don't need to put it back in. And I'm going, Oh, thank, thank goodness. All right, thank you. Um, Solutions? All right. That's that's my stuff from my wound. Um, But sorry about that. No, that's cool. I just got stuff because I got a wound on my toe and it just came in the mail. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, so they left that out, and that was so, so nice not to have to walk around with a pee bag and all that stuff. You know, 1,400 steps with a pee bag is is a chore. (laughs) So, so, but i finally got to the point where i was starting to get really sick and i couldn't keep nothing down um and we were having some problems and they weren't they were giving me all sorts of you know nausea medicine and things like that and it was just not working um all the medicine you know i was constipated i couldn't i couldn't do nothing like i'd sit on the toilet for hours with a blanket wrapped around me because it was so cold in there that i was (laughs) that i couldn't do nothing man i was so horrible it was terrible yeah um and you know i'm not sure exactly what date it was but victor was having some problems Mm -hmm. and he had went in to the doctor and they ended up putting him in the hospital so okay. now me and Victor are both in the hospital dealing with the surgery, major surgeries. And he, you know, may 
be able to tell you more about what happened because I'm not, you know, I'm not going to play this business out of there. But yeah, I'll interview him. We were both in the hospital having surgical procedures, and we went through that together, which was kind of odd, seeing how it was him that led me to that surgery. Right. And for him to be there the whole time he was, you know, before the surgery, during the surgery, and then even laying in a hospital bed afterwards mm-hmm. and actually being in the hospital going through pain and anguish and things like that right alongside me was, a, it was an amazing thing. Um, he unfortunately had to spend his, his birthday there. Um, and thank goodness, you know, his mom and, and things got a ride up there so that he wasn't there alone for his birthday. Um, right. but you know, after I started getting sick and I wanted to, you know, record and, you know, document that whole after aftermath of having it, um, having the surgery done, there was just, there was no way I was doing it. And, you know, Teresa's like, no, we're not, we're not putting this on Facebook. Like, but there's a little bit afterwards. If anybody wants to go check it out on my Facebook and see it, they they can do that. And it was it was a really cool experience until afterwards. Right. But I can honestly tell anybody this: if you're going through dialysis, really, really, really get in there because the lifespan of somebody on dialysis is very short. They say up to ten years. Um, you're pushing it. And a lot of people don't make it. Um, And like things that Victor's told me, if you hear the word diabetes, it kind of sounds like die or beat this. Mm -hmm. Um, And me and him and a lot of other people can say, you know, we did beat it. We beat diabetes. And, you know, I'm not looking back at it now. I mean, still to this day, this the other day I was cleaning up because we're moving. I found diabetic supplies. I was like, nope, get that out of my house. I don't need that. Right. Uh, and it, it's been two years. Um, March 19th was two years for me. So, um, but it, it's that word, it, it kind of, you know, it kind of rhymes and it, it goes with it. Die or beat this diabetes mm-hmm. and dialysis. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that got me when he had said something about it. Because dialysis almost sounds like die. Oh, you there? Lost you again. Andrew, can you hear me? Hold on one minute, ladies and gentlemen. Let me see if I can get him back. Uh, he's there. I don't know. Andrew, can you hear me, man? Are you there? Ah, there you go. Yeah, I lost you for a second. I think somebody keeps trying to call or something because every time, every time I get like a, a vibration, that's really irritating. Right. <laughs> but um, as I was saying before, I was interrupted again. Yeah. Um, dialysis. It sounds like die. I'll assist. Mm-hmm. So pretty much that that's telling you, you know, if you stay on dialysis, it's eventually gonna kill you. Oh yeah. No matter, 
no matter what you try to do, you can't live on dialysis for the rest of your life. Mm-mm. And it's it's a bad thing to think about, but people who are on it really need to think about their life, their lifespan, and that as soon as you can, you need to try and get that help and get in to see a transplant team, um, go to a urologist and figure all that out mm. because it's a major thing. I mean, even if you're in a high populated area, um, there's, there's a long wait, but the whole United States is connected. Um, so if you find a hospital, say, say somebody in California comes and they, they talk with the university of Iowa and they say, Hey, you know, I'm, I need a transplant. They will set you up. You will fly out here. They will do. They will do all the workups and everything they need to do. Mm-hmm. And you will. You, you can get a transplant here. Uh, Victor's brother actually got a transplant at the same hospital I did. Oh wow! And they lived in Washington D.C. So, um, yes, you have to come here for your appointments and things. A lot of people will move here during that time Mm -hmm. because after dialysis there's a lot you have to do there's blood work um i was doing blood work every day um for like the first week and then it went to every other day Mm -hmm. and then it went to um let's see here once every two weeks and then it went to a month and now i'm at every three months Mm-hmm. Um, and then after this is all done, I'll probably go once every six months. Um, right. but I just had a high potassium and tacro levels were kind of weird, which tacros, um, for your anti-rejection medicines and things like that. Right. But I will be on pills for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. but I would rather take, you know, a quarter bottle of pills every morning and nighttime than sit and poke myself and take shots um Mm -hmm. that's it's a horrible life to live it's so inconvenient Mm -hmm. and i'm so happy that i got my kidney and my pancreas right um and you know the what i have now my my quality of life even though from the diabetes i have neuropathy i can't feel my my legs or feet from my knees down um you know, I don't have my vision, but what's left of it and, and just a kidney and having to go through that to get that, it was definitely worth it. It was worth every, you know, pain I felt, every tear I shed mm-hmm. and all the time it took to heal from it. Um, I came home on fluids, IV fluids and all sorts of stuff. So. I can say honestly with friends such as you and and Victor and everybody that was there by my side through this whole thing, Sarah and Dorcas and just that whole little group that, you know, we always used to hang out and things. It, it helped because I have that lack of family. I have my wife's family, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. It's, it's, it's support, <clears throat> but it's, it's different and it's really nice to have support from somebody who's been through it mm-hmm. and has knows exactly what you're going through right because some people can sit there like you can sit there and tell me you know you know drew you'll be fine you know it's it's 
you know, just an operation, you'll get over it, and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But honestly, you don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to be a butthead or anything, but mm. you, you've never been through it, so you can't say what, you know, that you're going to be okay. I mean, you can, but <clears throat> you don't understand, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Right. It's a lot, it's a lot different knowing going through it and knowing what happens and, and the steps you have to take and hearing it from somebody that's been through it and that's why me and Victor's had such a strong bond right. is because our stories mm -hmm. are almost parallel right we, we did the same things we've had the same problems and we've you know we've made it to the point we're at now we're doing big things and just like you you're you know, even though you've, you know, lost your vision and you're completely blind and, mm -hmm. and that it's not stopping you from doing this podcast or doing your Facebook page or, right. you know, all of that. And that's what people need to understand is just because we run into situations in our life, such as, you know, immobility, not being able to walk, not being able to see, you know, having mm -hmm. deficiencies of, of different things. It doesn't stop you. Yeah. Like I still work in cars. <clears throat> Like, even, uh -huh. hold on, I was going to tell you, like, even that you lost your sight and you went through this change of getting a kidney and getting a pancreas transplant and everything, it, your, your life at one point, you fell down and depressed and you was uh -huh. like, damn it, man, I'm going to fucking, excuse my language, I'm going to die if I don't get yeah. these things straightened out, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah, that's where that's where it came to too. The, the dark area was I'm dying, mm -hmm. and I don't know if I'm going to come out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I did. I did die, um, December of 2016. Um, I had went and I got home from dialysis, and the wife had worked a bunch of hours, and she's like, "I'm going to take you to the hospital. You're not doing good." I said, "No, I'm fine. You know, you get some rest." And I guess I was crawling up the stairs trying to get to the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm calling an ambulance. They came and got me and um, they got me to the hospital. And as soon as they got to the hospital, I went into cardiac arrest. And was this uh, was this before your operation or? Yeah, that was before the operation. Oh, okay. Um, what had happened was my the heart, if you have your potassium levels, have a lot to do with your heart. If your potassium level is too low, mm -hmm. it can it can affect the heart. If they're too high, it can affect the heart. Mm -hmm. um, what had happened was I had a blood sugar of over uh, 1,200, Damn. and my potassium level was at a 10, and it sent my heart into cardiac arrest. Wow. Um, and they couldn't. They tried and tried and tried for nine minutes. Um, and that's quite a while to be to be dead for mm. not breathing yeah. um and after that nine minutes i came back and um i woke up in intensive care with you know intubated with ivs probably a good eight to ten ivs and hoses and things sticking out of me mm -hmm. um i had them in my neck in my groin in my legs my feet my arms three or four and just one arm just running different you know fluids and medicines and antibiotics and mm. a lot of things um plus i was you know on dialysis also yeah so i mean that was that was scary for me that was real scary yeah 
but you know like you were saying you you get to that point where you're like oh what am i gonna do i'm at that point where i'm standing on the edge of death like i'm on a thin thread and all i can say is when people get to that point is don't don't let yourself down don't fail yourself Mm -hmm. uh keep pushing through as much as it it's hard to Mm-hmm. And the depression sets in, and the stress sets in, and all of those, your demons come after you. Right. Don't let them win, because you let them win, and that's what's going to take over. Right. If you let them get to you, and you let them win, it's you know it's almost like a sign of weakness, and you don't want that. You want to be able to be strong. You want to try to do as much as you can, be healthy, and live the best life you can. Right. And that's what I did. You know, nothing stopped me. And I continue to do what I needed to do, and I'm still doing that till this day. Um, That's good. They say that, you know, your organs can live up to 15 years and be fine, and then you may need to be back on the list. Well, I I don't believe that. I think as long as you take care of yourself, you're doing your medications right, mm-hmm. um, and you're, you're doing what you have to to take care of them, they're like gold. Exactly. You take care of them, they'll be with you forever. It's like a diamond. Mm-hmm. But... You got to take care of yourself, no matter what your your condition is, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. As long as you follow what they tell you, I, I'm <laughs> I'm a prime example of what not to do and what to do. Right. Dude, what I did in my past, do not do that. No, bad, <laughs> yeah. bad, bad. Don't do that. Right. Um, but as long as you you know pick yourself up and you keep trying and you keep working at things. Mm-hmm. you can get to a point to where you know you're a success story <clears throat> and that's what I like to, to see myself as um, right. a success story because I succeeded more, far more than I ever imagined uh, like I said when I was 8 years old and they told me I had diabetes the guy told me that I would never ever, I'd be taking shots for the, the rest of my life and I would never not be diabetic and well proved him wrong Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like I was saying, saying earlier, I, I work on cars, I, I do brakes, I, I do suspension, I do everything. Like nothing stops me from doing what I want to do. Do I need help sometimes? Yeah. I, do I ask? Yeah. I mean, you can't be afraid to, to ask for help. Right. And especially being visually impaired or blind, mm-hmm. you, as much as you want to do everything on your own, it's, it's pretty much impossible. You can't go to the store and pick up a can and be like, oh, hey, this is corn. I know this is corn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can have, you know, you get your reader out, and that's help, you know. Mm-hmm. Get your phone out, you take a picture of it, it'll read it to you. Right. I mean, that's help, too. Mm-hmm. We can't just, you know, we can't go into places, pick something up, and be like, oh, yeah, this is what I need, and walk off and get home, and now you're eating Brussels sprouts. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, sure. you know, so, and technology. Technology is amazing. We wouldn't be right here right now doing what we're doing mm-hmm. if it wasn't for technology. Yeah. Our phones, the talk back, mm-hmm. our, you know, all of that thing. And, you know, being able to be on Anchor or YouTube. I'm on YouTube two to three times a week. Right. I collect toys and I do, you know, a Wednesday show and a Sunday show and anything in between that I, I want to pop into. Right. Um, so it's possible to do to do these things and i'm on video i've i've got a spot to where you know i set up my my phone as a camera and i get my headphones on and i get everything and i go to the stream yard 
Uh, and, you know, I make sure that the guys are like, hey, I'm like, hey, am I in frame type of deal? Because on the Android, they don't have that fancy thing like iPhone where, you know, you can tell if you're in frame or not. Right. So, um, so yeah, I, I set it up. I know on, on the desk here, I have a little line where I put my phone. I know where to set it. And then I know exactly on the bed where I can set to where I'm in the frame. Right. So just because we're blind, just because we're visually impaired, doesn't mean that you can't find other ways of doing things. Right. It may take us longer, and we all know that. It's a way to get around we're everything. we're still able to do it. Right. I was going to ask you, right, after you had, you know, the operation and stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, how do I say this? Like, okay, do you feel like now... Okay, I know at one point you was given up and you went through all of this and you died and came back and you did your operation and everything is successful now and you're living your life. Do you feel like you owe it to yourself to keep on pushing forward, to keep on striving to better things now that your life is back in your hands again? Exactly. Yeah, I do. Exactly. I feel exactly like that. Um, That's good, my brother. That's good. Yeah. I mean, like, do I have, do I still have bits of, you know, being down and and kind of depressed? Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, there's, there's those days where, you know, the day my mom and dad have passed and, you know, the birthdays and holidays, I don't really enjoy holidays, but I do it for the kid. Right. Um, I do it for the kids because they, you know, they need that. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. I don't want to ruin that for them, but you, you're always going to have those downer days, mm-hmm. no matter what you do. It, it's human nature. Um, yeah. But I, I now feel like I feel better than I ever have since I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm now going through OEM training and I'm writing Braille. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading Braille. Um, slowly, but it's, I'm doing it. Yeah, it's a process. It's oh man, to write braille, you gotta write it backwards. It's a pain in the butt. Right. But <laughs> I, you know, I'm not, I'm not stopping. Yeah, that's what and, I. And I'm that's pushing forward. That's to, what I'm know, happy that you're doing. Your job, not... being able to buy the things I want, um, trying to clean my credit up and, and get a house and live in a house, mm-hmm. and we're moving now. Um, so we can, you know, save some money to get to that point, to get to that house. Yeah, uh, you're go back to school and things. And, you're motivating I mean, yourself. You heard? Yeah. You're motivating yeah. yourself, and you're not sitting back. How no. do you say? You're not sitting back, crying about, oh man, I'm blind. What am I gonna do? Oh, exactly. I gotta keep taking these meds so I can keep going. You're not bitching about it. You, you know, it, it, I know you get a little depressed and stuff, but you always pick yourself back up at the end of the day, you know? So yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you're not, you're, okay. you're not laid in the morning, back chilling. days where, you know, I wake up and my legs hurt terribly mm-hmm. and I, I try to take some meds. If it doesn't work, I'll, you know, I'll lay there as long as I can until I'm like, you know what? I need to get up. I need to go do something. Mm-hmm. I take my mind off this. I need just to get up, stop laying here like a bump on a log <laughs> and do something. Right. So, you know, I'll get up and, and do whatever I need to do, or clean the kitchen or, you know, just fill around with stuff or go take the cabinet off, put it back. Heck, heck, I don't know. I'll do something. I know that. Right. Um, but 
it's it's one of those things where you know you got to those you got to those low points rock bottom and i hit rock bottom a lot in my life Mm -hmm. but now i can say that i'm probably the happiest i've ever been Mm -hmm. with not only my health but things that, that are happening in my life do I have struggles still? Of course, everybody does. Mm-hmm. But I see myself going somewhere where before I kept, I was always negative. I was always looking down. Now I can walk forward with my head up and be proud. Mm-hmm. Um, do I care what people say about me? No, because they don't know me. They, they can't judge me for my appearance because if anybody knows my appearance, I'm about six one. Mm-hmm. With piercings, tattoos, and a mohawk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. if people listen to me and they listen to my story and they hear how I talk, nobody gets that mental image. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, was, when I was going to church before the wife was working as much as she is. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looked down upon from the start. Right. Um, and my, my mom's widow which is, you know, still my grandma. She walked in there and she's like, that kid is one of the bit has one of the biggest hearts that you'll ever meet in your life. And people started getting to know me and now people come up to me at church and like, hey, Andrew, you know, how are you doing? How's the transplant? How are you feeling? But when I first walked in there, it was like I was Satan or something, you know? Mm. Like, I burned out they saw the, it's like, Yeah, because they saw serious? the tattoos. I mean, just because of my appearance doesn't mean the guy up there in a suit, you know, isn't loitering money or, you know, doing drugs or whatever. It, your appearance has nothing to do with your person mm-hmm. at all. Right. So it's it's a thing that I like everybody to know is I don't care what you look like. I don't care what what ethnicity you are. It, it as long as you have something you can talk about, you have in common with each other, you can have a conversation with. That's all that matters. Right. But I'm not one to like to be in conversations where people are totally negative all the time and judging. They, they're and stuff. never looking forward. As much as you know, as much as you try to lift them up, they just keep putting themselves down, and they you you're not going to get anywhere if you look that way. Mm-hmm. You keep looking down. You keep not helping yourself. Nobody can do it for you. Right. You have to do it on your own, and mm-hmm. I, I strongly believe in that. And it's it's what we've you know a lot of us have done. We we keep looking forward. We keep looking into the future. Why? Because the future is there. Mm-hmm. I mean, tomorrow's not always promised. But you need to plan like it is. Exactly. Um, you you honestly have to plan like it's not either. So, you know, when your loved one leaves, always say I love you, even though if you're fighting, because you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, this world is crazy, and it's it's going to stay crazy <laughs> for a while. We got, yep. you know, corona happening, and we got all sorts of different things. And yep. it's, it's a crazy world out there, but... We just need to live every day to the fullest. Right. And, you know, I do that all the time. And I'm on these, you know, some of these groups. And I've noticed, you know, not all the time are they very active, like this morning. And 
I'll come in and I'll try to, you know, lighten up the mood or, you know, play some Batman music and mm-hmm. see how everybody's doing. And, you know, that's just, that's how it is. And I, I enjoy doing that and I enjoy getting on YouTube and, and having fun and, you know, talking with people, associating people. And it's really sad because I used to have friends here, lots of them mm-hmm. that I thought were my friends. Right. But you finally figure out who your real friends are when things like this happen to you, when you, when you become blind or visually impaired or you, you lose, you know, your kidney function and you need to go to dialysis or, or whatever. People start dropping off like flies. Mm-hmm. You get a hold of them like, Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll come over. Sorry to hear about what happened and blah, 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 blah. And then you'll never hear from them mm-hmm. for another year. And then they want to pop on your Facebook and be like, Oh, happy birthday. Well, don't tell me happy birthday. You don't talk to me at all. And yeah, I did a like, major cleaning this year. Yeah. Facebook. Like, like check in from time like to time. Eight, almost 900 friends down to, I think maybe two, 300 now. Yeah. So I, I had a clean house because there's people that, you know, they only acknowledge you when they want or need something or, you know, they see on Facebook that it's your birthday. And it's like, are you serious? Yeah. That's because they only get notifications from Facebook, but I guarantee you, you'd be like, Hey, you know, today's my birthday. I bet you they don't remember none of that because they yeah. they're only getting reminded from Facebook. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. and social media is, you know, taking over the world, but it's, it's a big problem too. I mean, yes, it's helping a lot of us around the world to connect with each other, but it's, it's a bad thing as, as much as it's a good thing. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, yep. You know, you got TikTok now, which is not for children. Yeah. For all the children that are out there with TikTok, that is not for children. <clears throat> um, and when your son comes in and he's playing things from South Park and he's 11 years old, you're going, oh, well, here we go. Now I have to explain all this. Thanks, South Park, for, uh, thank you, TikTok, for showing that to my child. Right. Uh, and our, our kid don't have TikTok. He, the, his cousins do, and that's just his bad so mm-hmm. he comes home he's like oh i heard this i'm like yeah f your face uncle effer i'm like yeah great cool cool story bro let's talk about this right um so and- i has to sit down and explain that andrew yeah um we're already about an hour and hold on we're about an hour okay so we're about to be an hour and 10 minutes Yes. <laughs> right. Um, I'm gonna cut it from here, my brother, and I'm gonna. Right. I, I want to have you on again, you know, because I also have to interview other people. But I want to. Ha- I want to have you on again, and I'm happy that you told your story, and I'm happy you shared it with everyone on these platforms mm-hmm. who's gonna listen to you, and. Um, I just want to say real quick before I close out, God bless you and the family. And um, whoever is new here, please subscribe to My RP Life. If you want to check out my brother on his Facebook page, you can do that. And what's the name of your, um, you still got your your other Facebook page? Visually Impaired Master Mechanic page. Yeah. Right, yeah. Still you, got it. He's got that. So check him out there on Facebook. Um 
once again please subscribe to my rp life whether it's on um youtube here on this platform um where anchor puts me at spotify um apple pod um google podcast everything wherever you hear my voice and you see that logo my rp life please subscribe because i deeply appreciate all that love and support and if you want to check me out what was that I said they'd run away. And check me out on YouTube. Um, follow me on Twitter. And you can also join my Facebook group, um, My RP Life, Family and Friends. You can join that. Um, I am the head admin there. And my beautiful Diva Deb, she's also an admin. Um, so that's it, ladies and gentlemen. You know, please don't forget to subscribe and hit the likes. And if you want to leave a message, leave a message and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Um, anything else, um, Andrew? Um, just like I said before, everybody, you know, keep your head up. You're always, you know, welcome to message me on Facebook or WhatsApp or Messenger or anything like that. Um, I'm willing to talk to anybody. I might not get back to you right away. Um, cause I got a lot going on, but I'm, I'm always down to help whoever I can. And, um, that's, that's just the way I was raised. And that's the way I, I think everybody should be, um, to try to help this world spend a little nicer and, you know, get some negativity out of there. And if you do that, you know, maybe we could take a, a nice long walk along the beach and, <laughs> and go have some ice cream and maybe get a date. I mean, Right. I'll go stag. Cool for me. Anybody like Olive Garden? <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. All it's right. A date. Sweet. All right, Andrew, man. Thanks, my brother, for being here. This is. Of course. My name is Juan. This is my RP life. Peace out, everyone. God bless. And don't forget to subscribe. Peace God. out, Girl Scout. <laughs> Peace, y'all.